0: this whole series, we've talked about this concept of live dead and and to to live dead to ourselves, to to what we want and to what our will is. Uh, Just to recap, um, so the first week of Live Dead, we talked about um, living dead in our thought life um, and what that means to be focused on that passage that tells us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross to die to ourselves daily. So that was week one. Uh, Week two, we talked about live dead believing and the things that we need to believe, how everything that we do, and that we think needs to be filtered through the filter of the fact that Jesus loves you. More than anything else, Jesus loves you, and everything else should come through that. And then how we need to go take that message to the people who don't know that and to communicate that to them. Last week we talked about the difference between <clears throat> intention and action, how we can have all the, the best intentions in the world, but if we're not acting it out, then it doesn't matter. So we talked about how we need to, to active. Uh, to actively live dead. And this week we're, we're talking about uh, making that a lifestyle, not just something that you act on every now and then, but something that you're constantly doing. Living dead. So let me ask you this question Have you ever wanted a different lifestyle than the one you currently have? Have you ever wanted a different lifestyle? Um, I don't think this show currently exists. Um, but back when I was in school, MTV Cribs was kind of—it was on TV and it was dope. And I watched it a couple times. Not that I was allowed to watch TV, uh, MTV, um, but I did. I snuck it. I snuck it a couple times, and I, I saw a couple episodes of Cribs. And it was a fascinating show because if you're not familiar with with the show Cribs, um, basically you go into rich people's houses and you see what they have, right? You go in their house, you see, you know, all their rooms that they have and all their big screens and then you go out to the garage and see that they have 80 cars, um, and they're all incredible cars. And it was a fascinating show because you get to see their lifestyle and, and everything that they have. Um, so sometimes my, my family and I, we, we would go out for these walks by, do you guys know where that walking trail is by County Park, where the new pool is? Uh, if you don't, you should go check it out. It's dope for days. Um, but we go walk out there sometimes, and... Um, we talk, and then all of a sudden, like, you just kind of see all these, like, the houses. They have some, some uh, uh, neighborhoods where people live where they're a little financially better off, if that makes sense. So we go out there, and it was a struggle for me, you because know, I go out there and see all these houses. And I'm like, man, it'd be nice to live in one of those houses, to, to have the stuff that they have, to have the huge backyard and that nice house. That'd be nice. But we've all had that time in our life where we saw something that someone had or the way that they lived, and we said, I want that. I want that for me. We think to to ourselves, if only I could live like that, then I could do this or that. If only I had that or lived there, then I could do this or that. And we dream. We dream about what kind of lifestyle we would, or what the kind of lifestyle would look like or how much better our lives would be if we were in that situation the series that we're in, we've been talking about living dead. Now, from the sound of that and the concept itself, seems like that is something that we should try to avoid at all costs. I mean, sacrifice, pain, and suffering. You might be thinking, I've been trying so hard to avoid all of those things in my life. But tonight, as we look at it, there is nothing more joy-filled than living a life, um, than living a live-dead life. So we're going to stick in one passage of Scripture through most of the night. John 12, 23 through 28, so if you can open your Bibles to there, that'd be good. There's a lot in here that we can take and that we can um, apply to this concept of living dead. The first thing I want to pull out here and the question I want to state is, uh, what does it mean to die? What does it mean to die? Verse 24 says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies. Now, I don't think that it's in this passage, it's actually referencing a physical death, you know, like a physical death that we'll all go through unless Jesus comes back sooner. I think instead it's meaning that um, instead of a physical death, it's more of of us dying to ourselves and giving up control of our life to God, Um, our comfort, our security, our plans and our dreams, giving those things up so that those things belong to God. Let me hit you with Romans 6.6 quick. You can look on the screen and read it. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing or die, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Now this verse sounds intense. It sounds like you will never be able to be happy not being able to live for your own ambitions. You might say things like, I want to be able to create the kind of lifestyle that I want. I want to make sure that I'm happy, that my life is comfortable. I'm only here on earth once, and I want to be able to enjoy it. I'm sure a lot of us have said those things. Me, this weekend at a convention was awesome, but we had this talk on Saturday night um, where we we began to talk about the things that are holding us back from really being a a true follower of of Jesus. Um, And my thing is my comfort level. It's it's my comfort, being in my comfort zone. I'm so comfortable and I love being comfortable. And I've said things like this. I've said things like, I'm only here once. I'm only here on earth. I wanna be able to enjoy it. I wanna be happy. I wanna be comfortable. Yet, this is one of the greatest biblical paradoxes that we find. In verse 25, to live you must die. Verse 25 says, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life, and the world will keep it for eternal life. And it seems weird, it, it is a paradox. It's, it, it's, it's kind of interesting, because we think it's so important for us to like our lives and to be happy in our lives, but when we strive for our happiness, when, we, when we're focused on what we want and our will and our ambition, then we end up losing our lives because we're not focused on Christ. But when we hate our life, when we don't care about ourselves and what we want and what our dreams are, and we're so focused on God, then we keep our lives. And it seems backwards, but it's true. And you really have to understand that the Bible, that Scripture, is full of these things, uh, full of a description of, of a God that loves you and that created you. This God wants the very best for your life. The biggest lie in our culture says that we will be happier when we make our own decisions, when we're all about ourselves and focused on ourselves and our happiness. But think about it this way. Would not a God that loves you and that knows everything and created everything have a better way? Even if that way involved suffering, even if that way involved pain? This doesn't mean that God is, is sadistic. It just means that, that He has a way and a purpose to true life that most of the world never finds. I mean, it's possible that the suffering and the pain that we go through shapes us. It makes us the best version of ourselves. Verse 24 says, "'Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit.'" And that leads us to the second thing I wanna talk about tonight. You can write this down. A live-dead lifestyle is used significantly by God. Corn. Imagine corn for a moment. Sure. No, that's weird. Corn is almost everywhere in Wisconsin. You could probably walk about 30 steps from this building and find corn somewhere. Probably not. Probably in my cabin. It might be. The point is, in rural Wisconsin, there's corn everywhere. It is everywhere. Uh, Corn kernels are dope and they taste good. We all eat corn and we love corn. Every one of us. Eat your corn, it's good for you. Who cares if you poop and it comes out the same. (laughs) So we love corn but they don't do much outside of the ground and if they're not dead. It's when it's buried and when it's dead when it produces more corn. The Bible says in this passage that unless the seed is buried, that is, unless it dies, it remains only single seed. But if it's buried and it dies, then it produces fruit, it produces more. What if I presented you with this opportunity? In one hand, I had a kernel of corn. And in the other hand, I had a crisp $20 bill. And I offered it to you. I offered you the choice. Which one would you take? The $20 bill you could. Most everyone would take $20. However, what would happen if you invested this corn by planting it? Kim, you should know nothing about this. After the first year, it would have, you would have two ears of corn with 1,600 seeds in it. It was still, in that case, I would still probably take the $20. After two years, you would have 2.5 million kernels of corn worth about $160. Not too shabby. After three years, if you invested and planted all those kernels, you would have about $256,000 worth of corn. It's pretty crazy, right? After three years. (laughs) No, that doesn't matter. Uh, This is how God wants to use us. We are a seed that he wants to bury in himself, to use for his purpose and for his will. God wants to use you desperately desperately. But not only does he want to use you and what you have, but he's going to multiply it. Does that necessarily mean that he's going to turn your $5 into $500? Probably not. It means that when you give to things like Speed the Light, that there are people who are going to hear about Jesus, that they're, and then in turn they're going to go and tell the people around them about Jesus. And these people are going to plant churches, and then they're going to tell people about Jesus. What God has given you is so significant. He's going to multiply his kingdom through you, but it begins with your daily dying. The third thing I want to talk about is a live-dead lifestyle brings God glory. Brings God glory. Verse 27 through 28 says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. See, Jesus, he knew how the end of his life was going to happen, right? He knew how everything was going to go down, how he was going to be crucified, and how people were going to betray him, the plan put in place, and, and all the stuff that was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. Was he supposed to shy away from that? Was he supposed to be scared by that end? Was he supposed to ask God why he was making it so hard on him? No, it was through his suffering that he brought greater glory to God. Now what is glory? Glory is recognition. Glory is its value. It's acknowledgement. And Jesus knew that through living dead and through his sacrifice that he would bring great recognition and value to God the Father by all the people of the earth. Now what if God still wants to be known in the same way today? And it's just waiting for some people to step up and say, it was for this reason I came to this hour, to this situation, to this place in my life, and to God be glory. God be glorified. Romans 8, 17. It's going to be on the screen. It says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Think about that for a second. Just let that part sink in. We are his children, and then we are his heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Jesus, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. See, when we sacrificially give to God, it brings him glory. It brings greater recognition to him through everyone who sees and is witness. Think about this question. What if our lives were not meant to be comfortable I know that seems weird because culture and society tells us that we need to do everything we can to make sure we're comfortable, to get a good job, to get a good place to live, and all this stuff to make sure that we're comfortable. But what if we were, really weren't meant to be comfortable? What if, what if we were meant to make God famous, to make Him known? What would that take from us? Would it take sacrifice from us to do that? Would it take pain? Would it require work? Would it be worth it? You may be thinking right now, I don't think I have the strength to live this live-dead lifestyle. Don't worry about it, because I don't either. Nobody does. In fact, this is the most difficult thing about being a Christian, is dying to my own desires and living only for God. So how do we do this? Thanks for asking. That's the last thing we're going to talk about. A live-dead lifestyle walks with Jesus. A live-dead lifestyle walks with Jesus. The simple fact is that we cannot do this on our own. We cannot do this in our own strength. It is only Jesus who can help us live dead. It is only in Jesus that we are able to live this kind of life. Verse 26 says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am... There will my servant be also. We can only live dead if we are spending time with Jesus consistently. And spending time with Jesus is simple, really, in theory. It would be complicated, but it's really simple. It's opening up his word and reading it and studying it, studying the Scriptures, studying the Bible. It's taking time to worship God when you're in your room by yourself or in your car or whenever. It's spending time with Jesus is coming to church and having moments where you cry out to him. Abiding or walking with Jesus is what the live-dead lifestyle is all about. It is understanding, understanding Jesus' love and then living it out. That's all it is. So tonight, at the end of this, this four-part series on living dead, we have an opportunity to live our live-dead lifestyle, to make that choice and to do it. I think I've asked this question a couple times at the end of these messages, but, but imagine what how your life would be changed if you did. I mean, think about that right now. Think about how your life would change. And the thing is, is that to you, a lot of those changes may not seem positive, right? You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to hurt. You're going to have to give up things. You might have to give up some friendships you have, some relationships, or some of the things that you engage in. But think about the change that would happen in your life if you did. Thinking about how everything and everyone around you would change if you live dead and incorporate that into your lifestyle. So, for those of you who are willing, I have a challenge, a two part challenge for you. First, to give sacrificially. We give so that people can hear about Jesus. You may never necessarily see those results firsthand. But you know when you give to organizations like Speed the Light, like they're helping and providing things that missionaries need to go tell people about Jesus. It was cool to be at a convention and to see um, these two dudes from India were there, right? And, and uh, they did a lot of work through Speed the Light to get them things. They actually presented them with, with iPads there to go to these villages and to show them this video of Jesus to, so that they can see what happened to Jesus and what he went through. That's what Speed the Light does. And people are going to come to know Jesus because of kids like you who gave to speed the light. That's why we give so that lives can be changed. How much can you do? How much can you give so that people can be saved from hell? So that people can hear about Jesus and have their lives changed forever? To give sacrificially means that you don't give comfortably. That you don't just give a dollar that's really not going to affect your life one way or another. To give sacrificially means that you give until it hurts. You give so you have nothing left, so that you can't do something, so that you're sacrificing, so that you're giving something up, so that others can hear and others can benefit. So give sacrificially and then live sacrificially. The only way we can truly live dead is to understand the heart of Jesus. So let's commit today to spending at least 10 minutes just focused on Jesus in prayer, in reading the Bible, in worshiping him, a combination of them or whatever. Just spending time focused on Jesus. I mean, think of what 10 minutes is. If you really think about it, if you really want to dig deep, maybe 10 minutes is a slap in the face to Jesus. So what can you do? How far can you go? How much time can you spend with Jesus? What percentage of a day is that? 10 minutes, less than 1%. Spend time focused on Him. Spend time focusing on others instead of going out and living your life so focused on what you want and what, how you look and the things that you're doing. Go out and focus on other people. Focusing on how you can improve their days and their lives and sharing Jesus with them. How can you be Jesus to people who need Him so desperately? Will you take that challenge? Will you have the live-dead lifestyle, or are you just going to walk out these doors and go back and do life just as, like you were before? It's your choice. There's nothing I can do to force you to make this decision, or to make it look any better. You just have to make the choice and do it. Is it going to be easy? No. No. It's going to suck, quite frankly. Large portions of it, everything that you will have to give up, everything that you will have to sacrifice is going to hurt. But it's so worth it. It is so worth it. Let's pray. Dear God, we're so grateful, so grateful for everything that you've done for us, God. I'm just overwhelmed when I think of of my life and everything that you've done for me, everything you've given to me, God, but it's not about that. Even though that's, that's one of the perks, God, of following you, it's not about that. Lord, help me, help us to just know that. To know that it's not about us. It's not about the blessings that we receive from you, even though there aren't many. It's not about that. It's about following you because you first loved us. God, you gave your lives for us. Lord, so we owe you our lives, plain and simple. God, I pray, Lord, that we would just understand that, that we would recognize that, God. Lord, and that this whole live-dead theme will just infiltrate our lives, our thoughts, our beliefs, our actions, Lord, and our lifestyle, that it would just be all modeled on this, God, that we wouldn't care about ourselves. We wouldn't care about what we want, what our plans are, what our comfort. God, that we would just be so focused on you. God, this is the point. This is, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're called to do, to be followers of you, not just people who call ourselves Christians and then do what is comfortable. That is nowhere in the scriptures. God, forgive us for falling short. Forgive us from not living dead. Forgive us for caring too much about ourselves, about our comfort, about what we want. At the end of the day, that's going to get us nowhere. It's worthless. It's pointless. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to die. And all our dreams will be gone. And then we have to answer to you. Are we living the right lifestyle? Are we doing the right things? Are we following you? Are we sold out for you? God, I pray that we would. I pray that we would commit to that, God. And I know we're not going to be instantly there, God. And We know it's a process, but take us on this process, God, that we would be committed to this process, God, that we would sell out for you or that we would be dedicated to following you no matter what the cost or even if it means we have to lay down our lives that we'd be willing, even if that means that we have to give up friendships or relationships or activities or different things we're involved in or things that we have, even if it means giving up something, God, that we would and we wouldn't look back. That we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.